Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Another great episode today. Zooming in from Arkansas, Mr. William Tingle. And William is a very, very accomplished real estate investor and entrepreneur and podcaster. And William's specialty is subject to deals. In fact, he talks about how to be a lean lord instead of a landlord. So I've had the pleasure of, of interviewing William on the show before. Always a great guest. William, welcome back. Great to see you again, my friend. Thanks, Dave. Glad to be here and talk to your listeners again. Excited to. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? There's a whole bunch of new folks since last time we chatted. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there kind of wondering, subject to what is even, I've kind of heard of that. I, I'm not sure what that is. So after you tell us a little bit about your journey in real estate and how you discovered subject to stuff, maybe you can define it for us. Sure. Well, my name's William Tingle. I got started investing in 1999. I was a restaurant district manager, worked about 70 hours a week, hated my job, hated my life. I mean, I had a family, never saw them. And one night, literally, it's you know, it's a cliche, 2 a.m. in the morning, I'm flipping channels on TV, I can't sleep, and Carlton Sheets infomercial <laughs> on TV, right? I, I laugh because same idea for me, man, but it was Ron Legrand, not Carlton, but same, same yeah. idea. Yeah. Yep. And palm trees are swaying and he's talking to these people and there's a, you know, I bought this house and this house. And this. I said, man, if those guys can do it, I can do it. So I reached over, grabbed the phone, ordered the course. And a couple of weeks later, UPS showed up and delivered it. And I opened up the book and I read it for about 30 minutes. And I said, I'm never going to understand all of this stuff. But I opened it back up and kept reading. And I just, I went down, the. I did what he said to do. And a month later, I bought my first house. And next month, I bought another house. And about four houses in, I said, wow, this stuff might really work. And a year later, I quit my job. I had enough cash flow for my properties to pay my bills. And 24 years now, and I haven't had a job and it still works. So it worked out pretty well for me. It worked out very well for you. All right. So that has piqued a lot of curiosity here. So what what kind of strategy can I do to be able to quit my job in 12 months or so? How can I be creating this kind of cash flow? What if, you know, I don't have a heck of a lot of cash to get started with? So maybe explain to us, what does subject to mean to you? Well, you know, when I got started, I had really good credit. I didn't have a lot of money, but I met other investors. And this guy put me on to a small local banker. And he financed my first five or six houses, three-year balloon notes. Everybody knows what a balloon is, right? It's, you know, balloons are for clowns. You probably heard <laughs> Ron Legrand say that a bunch. But I didn't know better, and I just wanted to buy real estate. Well, after I bought about half a dozen houses, I realized that banks, even if they'll loan you money now, you've got good credit, down the road, they're going to go, hey, buddy, you got a lot of exposure, okay? Mm -hmm. we, we have a lot of exposure with you. It just means you owe them a lot of money, and they're not going to lend you anymore. Mm -hmm. And as best I could calculate, probably 10, 15 houses that were going to cut me off, and I did the math at three or $400 a house, and I said, well, gee, I can't live the life I want to live with 10 or 15 houses at 400 bucks a month. So I've got to do something else. So I went through a lot of stages. I ordered sandwich lease option courses and all kind of stuff, trying to find a way to, to be able to buy houses with no money and no banks. And I didn't like sandwich lease options. They didn't work well for me. But, and this was before Facebook, guys. This is like 2000, 2001. Yep. And so I'm on a, a news group on the internet and somebody's talking about buying houses subject to. And I'm like, well, what's that? 
And buying subject to, you know, most homeowners today, they go out, they they apply for a loan at the bank, they sweat bullets for two months, hoping the loan goes through, they pay $10,000 in closing costs and fees like crazy to get this loan for 30 years at a fixed rate, most of them. When I buy subject to, I get to take advantage of all that blood, sweat, and tears they put into getting that loan I just take over the payments. I get ownership of the house, but the loan is still in their name. It's a lot like buying a car, Dave. You go out, you buy a car, you get a loan from the bank, and the bank says, well, the car's yours. You can use it. You can drive it, but we're going to hold the title until you pay it off. Right. And that's pretty much what we do with sub two. We get title of the house. The loan stays there until we pay it off or refinance it at some point in the future. But the beauty of it is you can buy as many houses as you want. As long as the seller is willing to sell to you, no banks have to approve it. In a lot of cases, you don't have to have any money. Sometimes you need a little bit of cash, but a lot of times people just walk away from a house if they're in a, a bad situation. All right. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here, William, and you've heard it a gazillion times before, but... If I'm a listener to this and I'm not familiar with this, I'm going to think, well, first of all, is this okay with the bank? I mean, if you're buying the house and you're getting title to the house, but the loan is staying in the original owner's name, isn't the bank going to have a few things to say about that? Well, you know, since the late 80s, when interest rates went to 18, 19%, there's been something built into pretty much every mortgage called a due on sale clause. Mm-hmm. And a due on sale clause is just a contract clause that says, that tells the borrower, listen, we're lending you this money, but if you transfer any interest or ownership in this house to someone else without our approval, We reserve the right to call this loan due and payable in full anytime. Has it ever happened? I'm sure it's happened in the history of those mortgages. I can tell you in 24 years, I've never had a loan call due. So, and it's not, it's a contract clause. It's an agreement between the borrower and the bank. The truth of the matter is the bank wants to get paid. Mm -hmm. They loaned the money. It's an investment for them. If someone pays them every month, they're probably not going to do anything. We haven't had a problem with it, but we make our payments and we handle the insurance properly. So everything goes pretty smoothly for us. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I can already hear this because we've got a lot of American listeners. We've got a lot of Canadian listeners. Oh, but William, it's different up here in Canada. The banks are more persnickety and, you know, they're going to they're going to close you down. So I'll answer that after you do. But do you have you worked with any Canadians on this strategy? And do you know if it works up here? I've known a couple of investors in the past that were in Canada and they said they did sub two deals. There may be some slight variations in how they're done. I'm not aware of it. I've never bought a house sub two in Canada but you would know more about that than me. But I I guess these other two guys that I knew, they did it, and then they didn't say there was any real difference. No, there there is no real difference, you guys. I've done it. I haven't done it anywhere near as much as William has, but I've done two or three sub-two deals back in the day. And same rules and regulations with the bank. They, you know, do on sale clause is in there. But as long as they're getting paid, especially if the original owner was behind a few payments and you bring them up to snuff, they seem to be pretty, pretty happy with it, or they're not even aware it actually happened most of the time. Yeah. I don't think most banks are aware. There's, 
you know, when we're new, we worry about things that really aren't going to be a problem. And we don't worry about the things that we don't know might be a problem. <laughs> but as far as the do on sale clause being an issue, it ne- like I said, it, ne- it never has. And we bought from big banks, small banks. It didn't really make much difference. There's nobody at the courthouse snooping around in the deeds to see if title's been transferred on things. Most times, especially especially if the payments are up to date and, right. and staying up to date. Yeah. Most times, the only way a bank even knows that there's been any change in title is the change in insurance. Mm. Because when you buy subject to the guy that sold you the house isn't the primary loss payee anymore. So his policy is not valid. You've got to go out and get your own insurance. And when you do, however, you're holding title will be the new primary loss pay, you know, whether that's a trust, which is what we do, or an LLC or your own name, that's going to be the flag to the bank. The reason we use a trust is because a trust is one of the loopholes in the Garn St. Germain and gets you around the due on sale clause. So when they look at that new insurance declaration page and they see a new primary loss pay and it's a trust, they go, well, hey, where's Joe? He's supposed to own this house. What we do is we list our seller as an additional insured on the insurance. So when they look at the declaration page, they go, oh, well, there's Joe's name. He probably just put his property in a trust. No big deal. File it away. And that's what we do. Very, very smart. All right. So the other question that comes to mind would be, number one, why on earth would Joe sell you his house this way? You know, because now Joe is has given you control of his property, may or may not have gotten any money from you, but the mortgage is still in his name. He's still on the hook. So why on earth would Joe do that? Wow, that's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's run out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code podcast. That's right. Discount code podcast at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. Well, I could give you about 700 different examples. I've done about 700 of these over the last 20, 25 years. But I can give you one from last week. You know, most people think only the most desperate seller will do this. Someone in foreclosure, someone getting a divorce that they can't afford the house and they're about to lose it. We had a gentleman on Saturday, and this is what today's Tuesday. This past Saturday, he called us up. We had talked to him a couple of months before. He called us from our radio ad, and we talked a little bit to him then about the amount of money you owe, your house wouldn't qualify for a cash offer, but we may be able to do something with taking over payments. And, you know, that is foreign to a lot of people. And he wasn't quite ready. His house was listed. And he said, let's stay in touch. So he calls us back last week. 
We went out and met with him on Saturday. This gentleman owes $203,000 on his house. His house is worth about $170. I mean, excuse me, about two, I'm sorry, about $270. Okay. So he's got some equity. It's not, yeah. not a short sale. And he had just listed it a couple of months before, but he's getting under the gun now because he wants to be moved to a new school area before his kids start school. Okay. And he's only got about six weeks. He was pretty adamant about getting 50000 out of this house for equity when we talked to him a couple of months ago. But we went out, sat down with him, and talked with him, and we said, listen, you want to get this monkey off your bag? We can do it right now, but here's where we've got to be. We'll take over the payments on your loan. We'll write you a check for $20,000 for your equity. And you can move anytime you want to. You can be in your new location when school starts. They're just going to rent for now because they're not worried about buying a new house until they decide exactly where they want to live. We got up with a signed contract. So I'm buying a house for $223 that's worth about $270. But the really nice thing here, and Dave, you know right now what interest rates are yeah. for credit borrowers, 7%. This house has a 2.75% Ooh. interest mortgage on it. For how long? For, it's two years into a 30-year amortization. Right. Okay. And how long is the term on, on the, you got 30 years amortization. Again, things are a little different in Canada and the States. Is there a term on that mortgage that it comes up for renewal or you can hold on to that it's, sucker for 30 it's years? The full, it's the full ride. There's that's no that's the beautiful thing about the States, my friend. Canada, we might have, we can only lock them in for five years, oh, maybe wow. seven years max. It's gotcha. it's tough that way. Yeah. yeah. This is a fully amortized loan. Right now the it's it's fixed rate for the full 30 years. The PITI principal interest taxes insurance is twelve hundred bucks a month. Nice. Out of that, four hundred dollars a month goes to principal because it's Beautiful. so low interest rate. So we'll sell that house for two seventy, two seventy five with seller financing. We'll probably get twenty or twenty five thousand down. We'll get all of our money back. And their payment will be about nineteen hundred months. Our cash flow will be about seven hundred bucks a month on that house. Oh, that's a thing of beauty. Yep, that is that is beautiful for sure, William. And typically, when because you've been doing this for such a long time, how long are your end buyers actually in the deal for before they decide to sell the property and you and you actually get cashed out? The average length of time that our buyers stay in is usually around four years, three to four years. But the kicker here right now is we've been for, gosh, the last several years in super low interest rates. Right now, with interest rates being 7%, we're competitive with the banks. We can finance it for 7% for somebody and give somebody with credit challenges the same interest rate an A credit borrower would get at the bank. So unless rates drop again, our people may be staying in these things for a little bit longer. Yeah. Now, that's great for us because the longer they stay in, the more money we make. Yeah, but, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. But again, just kind of walk me through how it works. I've done subject to deals in the past, but I didn't sell them with owner financing. Right. Right. So I'm curious as to how that kind of works through. Mm -hmm. So you bought it from Joe. He right. had the original mortgage on there for two hundred and three thousand, whatever it was. You bought it, you gave him twenty grand, you've taken it over. Now you've sold it to Sam. 
mm-hmm. who's bought it for me for two seventy. Right. You're doing owner financing on this. Right. So you got twenty five down from Sam. You've transferred title into Sam's Sam's name, but you've got a wraparound mortgage on this property. We don't do wraparounds, Dave. Okay. We sell on land contract, which okay. which we keep legal title. They get equitable title. They get all of the use of the house. They get to write off the tax, the interest that they pay. They get to have the same enjoyment they would if they were on title, but we stay on legal title. And that does a couple of things. Number one, I feel like it's extra protection for our seller. Mm -hmm. If our buyer goes crazy and decides not to pay in most states here in the United States, you can evict them instead of foreclose on them. Yeah. Uh, it keeps us in control. And the, another good reason is because if we sell it to Sam and Sam has the house in his name, he can get liens and judgments. Against oh, for him. sure. Yeah. yeah. And if we keep it in our name in a trust, there will be no liens and judgments. So we don't have to do a friendly foreclosure to clean the title if Sam decides not to pay. So it makes things much easier. That is smart. That makes a lot of sense. Very, very cool. So, okay. And so let's say four years down the road, Sam decides to move. He wants to sell the property. Right. How does that typically work, William, all the way through? So let's say he lists it with a realtor, right. all that kind of stuff. How right. how does that work at the end? He can do that. He can, if he decides he wants to sell the house, he can list it with a realtor. And we might have to become involved in some way, depending on the realtor. You know, some realtors are really strange. They'll go, well, Sam, you're not on title. How can you sell this house? And he says, well, I'm buying it on a contract for deed. So Mm -hmm. we've had some instances before where we had to sign the selling listing as well. And then some don't care. So it really just depends, but it's not a problem. It can get done. We'll be glad to sign it if, if he wants to sell. And then when he does sell for his price, our note that he's given us will pay off. The underlying mortgage will pay off and we'll keep the difference. And if Sam makes a profit, he makes a profit too. Beautiful. That makes a lot of sense. And dumb question here, but I'm trying to work my head through this. Who benefits from the mortgage pay down on the original note with the bank? As far as the principal pay down? Principal pay down, yeah. We do. We That's do. Right. We bought the house from Joe. Joe's yeah. out of the picture. We wrote him a check for his equity. He's down the road. At this point, we own the house. We benefit from the original note principal pay down. Sam will benefit from his note to us principal, principal pay down. But here's the thing with that. Now, we're financed at 2.75%. We're two years into a 30-year amortization. Every month right now, we're, we're hitting about $400 a month on that principal. When Sam comes in, we're going to finance Sam at 7% on a 40-year note. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's hardly any principal paid out there, man. There's uh, on that particular property, there'll be about an $80 a month principal paid out out of the gate. Yeah. Okay. And you can see that the spread between our note and Sam's note grows every single payment. So our back end, so what do we do on this deal, Dave? We put 20 into it. We got 25 on the other side. So we've got $5,000 in our pocket and a note paying $800, $700, $800 a month in cash flow. And that's real cash flow because Sam's not going to call me about an AC that goes out. Mm -hmm. 
He's yeah. he's going to call the repairman because I'm the bank. Yeah. Okay. And I, I don't fix stuff. Yeah. Every month I'm going to get seven, 800 bucks in cash flow. And every month the back end payday, because remember, Sam put 25,000 down on a $270,000 house. He owes me 245, right? Yep. My original note, I only owe 203. So we got a $42,000 spread right there. But mm-hmm. every month that Sam pays and I pay, that back end spread gets $300 bigger. Okay. At least. Yeah. Least. So over the course of four years. Right. No, that's that's adding up. Yeah, that's fifteen grand for four years. That's another fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. So we went from forty-two to fifty-seven plus that seven hundred, eight hundred dollars a month in cash flow plus five thousand dollars on the front end. You put those numbers into your financial calculator, and it'll blow up. <laughs> right? There's there's no calculating the return. That's that's infinite, buddy. That's all ease. That oh yeah, for sure. So, William, you, you've hinted at one of the ways, and I remember talking about this last time you were on the show, that that you are, in today's digital age of marketing, making radio work beautifully for you for attracting these motivated sellers. Is that your primary marketing strategy? We We market three ways right now. We do radio. We run on three stations in Northwest Arkansas. And and we do that. And we also target high day on listings, MLS listing properties. And we also target foreclosures. We actually door knock. We talk to the people. We first try to help them keep their house if that's what they want to do. We introduce them to programs, the state-sponsored programs, uh, lender-sponsored things, forbearances, loan modifications. If they don't want to keep their house or they just can't because they don't have the income to make the payments, then we we try to buy it from them. So we do those three things. Foreclosures and radio are our biggest producers, and we'll buy two or three houses a month just from those two. That's very cool. So how big is your target market, like population-wise, that you're generating this number of leads with these marketing methods with? We're in two counties, Benton and Washington County, Arkansas. It's about half a million people here. So that's it, right? You're 500,000 people all together and you've got a rocket and rolling business because, you know, I talked to a lot of real estate investors that are in Florida or they're in California or they're New York or wherever. Huge, huge, huge population basis. I love talking with you, William, because relatively speaking, fairly small one. A lot of Canadians can relate to that size of a target market. We might have to go a little further afield than than you do, but yeah, so very, very doable even in a fairly small market. So out of all of that, you say the the pre-foreclosure type stuff, that is door knocking. You're literally going and finding the places. and We, We literally pull the list from the county websites every week, put together a package, a little door knocking package with a sales contract and a letter, go knock on the door, have a conversation with the homeowner if they answer. And if they don't, we leave it on their door. And then we put them in a postcard queue. They get about eight postcards from us, one a week that says, hey, we stopped by your house a few days ago. It's got a picture of the envelope we left on the door. And we'd love to talk to you about your house. So smart. that's what we do. Very, very. I love talking marketing stuff with with somebody that's doing something. I love the fact you got a lot of this stuff is offline. I mean, it, all of this stuff is right. is offline. Every and, and, Everybody that we that we market to or it's it's all off market stuff Uh, and offline stuff. You're not doing stuff. You're not doing the Facebook stuff. You're not doing the, 
Google pay-per-click and SEO and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you, Dave, I'm doing this other than radio. I'm doing the same stuff I did 25 years ago. Well, there were guys doing radio 25 years ago too. That's a lot of the guys, you know, the only reason I didn't do that when I got started is I thought it was too expensive. And and what they quote you out of the gate is very expensive, but it's just like a hotel rack rate. Hardly anyone pays the standard room rate at a hotel. It's always Mm -hmm. discounted. You either go through Expedia or you use your points or your, your membership on Marriott or whatever it may be. Hardly anybody pays the full price. So we negotiate. We have a formula we follow to do that. But I'm telling you, these guys that teach, the guru guys, that talk about, you know, man, don't use bandit signs, they don't work. There's a thousand of them out there. There's a reason they're out there. People call from them. We do bandit signs from time to time. We're not doing it right now because radio and door knocking is working so well. And I like talking to people. Now, you ever had anybody pull a gun on you? I've never had anybody even cuss me out. You know, That's I've been doing this for a really long time. The reason it works so well is because 99% of your competitors are too scared to do it. Mm. Man, you know, all you got to do is go into Facebook and look in some of these groups. Most investors are afraid to talk to people. Yeah. You know, I can go into any town and I do this for fun. Jody and I travel a lot. If I drive through and I see a bandit sign, we buy houses, I'm calling them. I want to talk to them. And I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, they do not answer the phone. Wow. They don't answer the phone. Goes to an answering machine. My phone is right here. If you call any of my marketing materials, you're going to hear, hey, this is William. How can I help? Every time. Nice, nice, nice. That's how you make money. I love it, William. So if people want to find out more about you and connect with you, what should they do? Where should they go? You know, the best thing to do is check us out on YouTube. Doesn't cost a dime. We release videos every day. We also do a podcast, going to have you on it soon. And we do a a YouTube, Facebook Live every Tuesday called Go Talk. You can go to sub2tv.com. That's S-U-B, the number two, TV.com. And you see my smiling face, and I'll teach you all about creative finance. I just did that myself. you got a wonderful YouTube channel, and you got a new subscriber with me, my friend. Thanks. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book, right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.